Hey church, it's so good to be together today online and uh, it's been fantastic just to be in the room. I want to say thank you to Debbie for sharing our teaching text this morning, which will go across all of our series, Open Plan. But I want to welcome you today if you're in from any of our campuses, um, Chesterfield, Derby, Sheffield, Stocksbridge, Rotherham, or of course those people who join us every week online. We're all online at the moment. want to give you a huge welcome, and particularly if this is your first time, we want to welcome you to Icon Church. We love having first-time guests at Icon Church. And you've joined on a great Sunday because it's part two of our series, starting the year with this series called Open Plan, which is a series about radical generosity. And uh, the purpose of this series is that so that we will start this year and we will go through this year with a healthy soul. And I always feel that the way we start a year is so important. It's why people do New Year's resolutions and things like that. But I also feel in the life of church, setting the course for the year ahead. And of course, we've sought to do that in several ways through this series, but also this week through prayer and fasting. And I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who got involved. You know, we had an all-church prayer meeting on a Thursday night, and we had 250 real-time connections. Now, that's not people. There's more people than that. Um, you know, we, you normally multiply that by about one and a half, so over th- well over 300 people, maybe close to 400 people, were in our prayer meeting on Thursday night. Well, that's so incredible, isn't it? And um, yes... We've got a small team in the room and they're celebrating that. And we thought what a fantastic way to start the year with a series on generosity. And what if generosity is the key to living the life that is truly life? What if at the start of 2021, rather than just wanting to be generous, we had a plan to be generous and stand firm in that generosity, like Isaiah said in the verse that's just been read. I want to say at the beginning of this message that generosity is not just about money. It includes money, but often when you talk about generosity, people just think about money when you say that, but it's not. It's about being generous in our relationships, in our attitude, being generous with kindness, in listening, being emotionally generous, and being generous in serving and caring for others. I want to talk specifically today about this aspect of generosity. I want to talk about generous hospitality. Nearly said it wrong. Generous hospitality. Let's start with this verse. It's in Hebrews 13 and verse 2. It says this, Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. In 1997, Rosaria Champagne Butterfield. What a fantastic name that is. She was a university professor and she self-identified as a leftist lesbian professor who was passionate about the world and passionate about the worldviews of Marx, Freud, Hegel and Darwin. And she said this, that the name of Jesus at that time, the name of Jesus stuck in my throat like an elephant tusk. She didn't particularly like Christians And she didn't care much for Jesus either. Uh, She began researching what's known in America as the religious right and had the opportunity to write an article uh, on a Christian men's movement called Promise Keepers. Some of you may have heard about this. And about this article, she says this, I launched my first attack on the unholy trinity of Jesus, politics, and patriarchy. Well, the article went viral. 
And she had so many responses. In fact, she had so many responses that she put two, you know, the, the big boxes, they call them Xerox boxes that hold paper. She put two on her desk and she had one for negative comments and against and angry comments. And she had one for positive. She was getting so many replies. And then this one day, she got this letter from a pastor. His name was Ken Smith. She'd had other letters from pastors, and they'd normally ended up in the against box. But she didn't quite know where to put Ken's letter, because she says this, Ken's letter encouraged me to explore the kind of questions she, I admire. How do you arrive at your interpretations? How do you know that you're right? Do you believe in God? She says, Ken didn't argue with the article or tell me that I was wrong. Rather, he asked me to defend the presuppositions that it was based on. She said, I didn't know what to do with the letter, so I screwed it up and I threw it in the bin, but I couldn't forget about it. So before she left the office that day, she fetched it out of the bin and she put it on her desk uh, in her office where it stayed for a whole week. The letter ended with an invitation to dinner. After a while, she thought, what an incredible opportunity to go to dinner with this pastor. I can gather more ammunition against Christians and their bigotry. Let's go to dinner with a pastor. But something else happened. In her words, she says, Ken and his wife, Floyd, and I became friends. They entered my world. They met my friends. We did book exchanges. We talked openly about sexuality and politics. They did not act as if such conversations were polluting them. They did not treat me like a blank slate. I started reading the Bible. I read the Bible in the way a glutton devours food. I read it many times that first year in many different translations. I said things to my friends like, what if it's true? What if Jesus is a real and risen Lord? What if we are in trouble? I continued reading the Bible, she says, all the while fighting the idea that it was inspired. But the Bible got bigger inside me. I love that phrase. It got bigger inside me. It overflowed into my world. I fought against it with all my might. And then one Sunday morning, I rose from the bed of my lover. And an hour later, I sat in a pew at the Syracuse Reformed Presbyterian Church. I was conspicuous with my butch haircut, but I reminded myself that I came here to meet God, not to fit in. Rosaria gave her life to Jesus following her two-year friendship with Ken and his wife, Floyd, and approximately 100 meals in their home. Rosaria says she found her true identity in Jesus, and today she is married with children and together with her husband, she now pastors a church in North Carolina. I wonder, what if hospitality, authentic, genuine hospitality, generous hospitality, has the power to transform people into who God made them to be? What if we realized hospitality, the love of others, is the foundation on which true Christian community is built? Uh, you know, we have a problem, though. And the problem is, as humans, we're tribal. We're more likely to demonize others than invite them for dinner. We're more likely to be suspicious than open-handed. When we demonize others, we try to process them. 
sociologist tells us it goes something like this. We have these four approaches. First of all, sometimes we try to eliminate them, exclude them from our group. Uh, Secondly, if we can't eliminate them, we try to assimilate them, make them like us. I always think of the story of the the, uh, American missionary who went to Africa and was preaching the gospel uh, to African tribes. And he went in a white suit. And soon after that, you know, people went back to that tribe in Africa and all the men were wearing white suits. It was assimilation. If we can't eliminate or assimilate, we try and dominate control them or then we recategorize them fourthly we make them the others we dehumanize them we assign them to a tribe we don't like maybe you can remember from last week the story where John said to Jesus these words in Luke 9 verse 49 master we saw someone using your name to cast out demons but we told him to stop because he isn't in our group. We told him to stop because he wasn't one of us. He was a Samaritan. We dehumanized them. You know, then there was uh, the Samaritans, other issues with the Samaritans, uh, the disciples, sorry, that we, and they said, should we call fire down from heaven on these? Can we torch them? Right now in our world, it seems that we're all at war with each other. We've got so many sides. Everyone is calling fire down on everyone else. And there has to be a better way, don't you think? There has to be a better way. And there is a better way. And it's the better way of Jesus. It's the way of generous hospitality. In the UK, we've got another particular problem. Um, and it's this. Have you heard this phrase? An Englishman's home is his castle. Our problem sometimes with being hospitable and welcoming to others is that our homes are a place of respite for us, places we retreat, retreat to rather than open spaces for love and friendship for others. Right now, I'm reading a book by Rosaria Butterfield, the lady whose story I told at the beginning. And the title of the book is this, The Gospel Comes with a Latch Key. What if we took the energy we use to demonize others and turned it into the love of others? What if we realized the power of generous hospitality? The earlier followers of Jesus were known for their hospitality, possibly more than anything else. Jesus had a better vision for you and me, a better vision for a church than our worldly tribalism and identity politics. Hospitality is a biblical vision of how to live and how to live the life that is truly life. Most importantly, this is how Jesus lived. We could call it, we could say it was the way of Jesus or his playbook, if you will, his strategy, his plan. I mean, let's just have a look at Luke's gospel. If we have a look at Jesus in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 4 is, I've come to bring good news to the outcasts, good news to those who are afar off. Luke chapter 5, he eats with sinners. Luke chapter 6, Jesus says, love your enemies. You've heard it said, love others, but you know, hate your enemies. No, I tell you, love your enemies. Luke chapter 7, Jesus eats with a Pharisee. The Pharisees didn't like him at all. Luke chapter 9, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Can you see the pattern? Luke chapter 10, he eats at the home of Mary and Martha. Luke chapter 10, again, he tells the story of a good Samaritan. 
<laughs> that was like oh, anathema, a good Samaritan. The people who were listening to that story saying, you don't get one of those. You can't have a good Samaritan. Luke chapter 14, he eats again with a Pharisee. And he talks about the kingdom of God being a feast, a gathering together. Luke 15, he tells three stories. The story of the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son. They all start with something lost and then something is found, recovered. And how do they all end? They end with a celebration, a party a feast together. Luke chapter 19, Zacchaeus uh, is watching Jesus and finding out who Jesus is and he's climbed a sycamore tree and Jesus says, I'm coming to your house for food. And at that meal with Zacchaeus, there's a real transformation. Luke 22, we have the last supper and then Jesus dies. But it doesn't end there. The first thing Jesus does when he rises from the dead is he meets two people, two who, people who've been disciples on the road to Emmaus. And what does he do? He has a meal with them. After the resurrection, he has a meal. I, I've missed a lot out from Luke's gospel. As someone has said, you know, in Luke's gospel, Jesus is either at a meal, he's either going to a meal, or he's coming from a meal. Hospitality, the love of others, is a primary part of the gospel. Uh, I'm going to give you a quote. It's from me, um, but it says this. Feasting could be as powerful as fasting in the kingdom of God. And now, what about tweeting that? Let's, let's read it again. Feasting could be as powerful as fasting in the kingdom of God. Hospitality is not just about opening our homes. It's actually about opening our life, not just our home. Have you seen the link between the word hospital and hospitality? You know, there's a link between the embrace, the belonging, the welcome, the open-handed welcome of others and people being healed. You know, sometimes we pray for people and we, we, we don't see a shift in their life, but I believe radical, generous hospitality can create a place of healing. You know, where other people can heal. Now, I just want to say to you, some people who you spend time with will make you sick. But, you know, we're the kind of people that people should spend time with and find their true identity, who they are, and be healed in life. So here's a couple of thoughts for us as Icon Church. In all of our campuses, how can we take this forward in 2021? A couple of thoughts on how we can overcome our tribalism and our retreating into our castles. Or how we can overcome our demonization or fear of others. Just two thoughts for us this morning. Number one, remember the grace given to me. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, he says this. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. That's spiritually dead. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us. Did you get that? All of us. You, you can't point the finger at the person down the street and say, that person. No, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. 
that he loved, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And then Paul finishes like this, it is only by God's grace you have been saved. I need to remember today the grace that has been given to me and the grace that has been given to us. We need to remember today we were outsiders. Let that sink in. We were outsiders. We were enemies of God. Let that sink in. We were enemies of God. And it's not that God had positioned himself as our enemy. But our sin, our selfish nature, our desire that we should decide what's right and wrong, that put us in opposition to God. And it still does. And that made us enemies of God. But... God, I don't know if anybody's glad about this this morning. I'm getting excited just, just preaching it this morning. God saved us by his grace. He didn't, he didn't just send a message. He actually came for us in the person of Jesus Christ because he loved us so much. This is so important. My opinion didn't save me. My whiteness, my intellect, my goodness... Not even my decision saved me. It was God's grace that rescued me. It was God's love in kindness that rescued me. Uh, most Christians can give you a definition of grace. It might go something like this. Grace means undeserved favor or grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, etc. And most of us can understand that God loved us while we were still enemies. And because of this, we need to know and we should know that God's heart is not primarily to affirm the insider. His heart is primarily to reach the outsider. How do I know that? Because I was that outsider. How do you know that? Because you were that outsider and God would not leave you alone. And now God wants his church not to let people leave people alone, wants us to have a heart to reach others. As a church, we've said that Icon Church should be heaven's welcome mat for all humanity without exception. You know, we've got to in our buildings, the buildings that we have, and we try to have uh, temporary ones in the buildings that we rent as a church on the weekends, welcome home signs. And so many times people have come up to me and said, uh, particularly here in Chesterfield, in this building, they've said, you know, when I see that sign, I've been moved. I've, I've sensed something. But you know, the best welcome mat is not a sign on the wall. The best welcome mat is our hospitality. Yeah is the open door, the invitation to come in, to belong, become a part. Even if you're not sure whether you believe or not yet. Even if you feel like you're an outsider and you're a foreigner and this is all weird and strange, you belong here. Uh, other people talk about church and they say church feels like family. And that's how it should feel. We're a big extended family. I was talking to someone this week and they said to me, you know, that over this lockdown period, they've had a revelation that church is a family because they've seen how the church connect groups have looked after people. They've seen how the church has looked after people going through a difficult people. And my response was, I said, yes, that's how, what the church should feel like. It should feel like family. And I feel for people who don't have that. 
I feel for people who don't have a connect group who will rally around and pray and love and serve. I, I, I feel for people who don't have a church family where they can get that level and quality of support and care and love. You see, we are icons made in the image of God. And that means we're meant to give, be the image of God's radical welcome, the image of God's radical grace, the image of God's radical generosity. The only hands that Jesus has are your hands and my hands. The only love that Jesus has is your love and my love. When I think about my life and I think about, you know, I became a follower of Jesus at 13 years of age. And I just think of the power of hospitality in those teenage years. People in my church helped me grow as a follower of Jesus. They opened their homes for connect groups, for friendship. They gave their time to serve young people. They were interested in a kid from Shirebrook. If anybody knows anything about Shirebrook, not many people are interested in a kid from Shirebrook, but there were people interested in a kid from Shirebrook. We need to remember the grace that we've received. We too were outsiders, and we need to be that image of God's radical generosity and welcome. And the second thing, the last thing I just want to share this morning is this. Every person matters to God, and every person has a story. You see, God isn't just trying to reach me and you. He's trying to reach every person. John 3.16, again, was read to us before the message today. For God so loved the world. I love the fact that the world there means cosmos. There's not a person that you meet there's not a person that you observe that God doesn't love. Whatever state, whatever situation they are, whatever problem they're causing, whatever difficulty comes with their personhood, I want to tell you God loves the world. And he gave his one and only son for every person. And if people matter to God, I made this decision many, many years ago. It's why I'm doing what I'm doing today. If people matter to God, they have to matter to me. When we show hospitality, kindness, even to strangers, have you noticed how they tell you their story? I recently told the story as, uh, you know, a few months ago, I think it was pre-lockdown actually, which was a long, long time ago. I was on a train um, to London, coming back from London, and I, 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 I normally like to sit alone. I'm I'm like that. I'm an only child. You can say R if you want in the comments in the chat. I like my own company. And uh, I like, but I ended up, my seat was next to this other person. And I just got chatting and showed a bit of welcome. And this person began to pour out their story, their life to me. I'd never met this person before. They were getting off the train at Leicester. I was coming further. But, but just kindness. Just some kindness. I don't feel like I did much, but this person wanted to open up their story. They were well-dressed. They're a businessman. They've been in the city for the day. Every person has a story. The rich, the poor, everyone has a story. And that story becomes our opportunity to invite Jesus into the story. And Jesus, we know, is the transformer. Jesus, we know, is the healer. Just think about Zacchaeus' story. When Jesus gets into this super rich guy's, for that time, super rich guy's story, he goes to Zacchaeus' house and he says, Lord, if I've wronged anyone, 
I will pay back four times every person you and I meet. The rich, the poor, the homeless, the sick, the dying, the healthy, the wealthy, the superstar, every person we meet is loved by God and what requires the welcome of God. And Jesus, when he comes into that story, is the healer. And Jesus is the savior. When we show hospitality, when we show welcome and kindness, we create moments of belonging. And everyone needs to belong. Maybe you're here today, you've joined us online, and you're not sure if you believe. We want to say to you, at Icon Church, you belong. You belong even to our online community. We're glad you're here. You know, when we hear a person's story, it's not hard to cross barriers. There's people you maybe don't like or you've been afraid of or even intimidated by. But when you hear their story, you realize they're human just like you. They face things just like you. Believe it or you're not, your boss is human. It's quiet in the room. There's not much faith for that in the room. Your boss is human and has a story. Even your mother-in-law is human and has a story. Now that's got some chuckles going off right now. Listen, Jesus was always getting into trouble talking to people he shouldn't talk to. And he did it because he lived an hospitable life. And just look at the impact. Just look at the transformation. He ate with sinners prostitutes, lives got turned around and transformed. The wealthy people who were, were taking money from the poor, like Zacchaeus, got transformed. Look at the power of hospitality. Maybe feasting could be as powerful as fasting in the kingdom of God. There's a guy, and I'm reading this huge book by him at the moment, called St. Augustine. He lived in the 400s and he knew about this and he knew the power of this in his own life. And so he had a sign at the dinner table. Look at this. Look what it says. He who speaks evil of another man or woman is not welcome at this table. Augustine had that sign at his dinner table because he knew that that was to be a place of generous hospitality. That was to be a place to create moments of belonging. What if we could rediscover this in 2021? What if we could rediscover this in our world where everybody's wanting to torch everybody else? Pandemic or no pandemic, what if we could live with generous hospitality, opening our lives up every day to others, to strangers, to friends? You know, John 3.16, which is probably the most popular verse in the Bible today, was not the most popular verse in the first 300 years of Christianity. It was nowhere near the most popular verse in that period. Let me show you what was the most popular verse in the first 300 years of Christianity. Here it is. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That verse was quoted by more writers and more times than any other verse in the first 300 years of others. Why? Because Jesus lived by loving others. He lived with generous hospitality. So I'm going to close. How can we apply this? And I've just got two thoughts. How we can apply this in 2021. Well, first of all, inside the church, 
Let's think about inside the church. In 1 Peter 4, verses 8 to 10, Peter writes this. Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Inside the church, Peter says, love one another deeply. Use your gifts to serve one another. I want to tell you in 2021, here's where you can start your connect group. Right right here, right now, this week, you can start. You know, our church is totally online at the moment, and it will be for several weeks yet, but your connect group is where you can live this out every single week. You can be faithful. You can be regular. Even if it's on Zoom, you can show up. And you know why this is important? Because you love others. Yeah, we show up to services online we show up to connect groups for us yes but what about if we flipped our mentality and said I'm showing up for others because I need you and you need me we need each other so many people have said from our Chesterfield campus I need a genie hook because at the end of every service genie just stands by the radiator I don't know if you noticed there's a radiator there but she stands by the radiator on the way out and she literally just gives hugs to people Mark Wilkins does the same in Sheffield (laughs) not we need each other even if you feel zoomed out show hospitality to somebody else show some kindness think about somebody else listen the Christian community exists for us to sacrificially love and care for one another I have a real passion to look after people when they come from other nations in the church. And that's because, you know, I, I, I could count on one hand the times where I can tell you, and I'm 100% certain God spoke to me. I heard the voice of God. And one of those times was a family from another nation came into our church. And I saw them in the foyer and got introduced. And as I walked away for them, the Holy Spirit said this to me, I expect you to care for them. They're strangers. They're foreigners in a strange land. I expect you to care for them. I take it very seriously, caring for people from other nations. I believe this morning God is calling some people right through this camera, right in this service. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you, maybe to open your life and when you can to open your home. I believe God may be calling some people today to lead connect groups, to host a connect group. We've got a vision as a church for 100 connect groups with 1,001 people. And the one person, 1,001, is the person you can bring. And I believe the Holy Spirit will speak to some people today. And you'll think, I never thought I could do that. But today, something has stirred within me right now. And if that's you, I don't want you to wait. I don't want you to wait till we can open our homes. I want you to contact us as soon as possible. Because I want to get you involved in Connect, our Connect Leaders group. If you think I could host some people, you could do it. I could host a Zoom call with some people. We want you to talk with us. We want you to talk about it further, to contact us. Even if you're thinking, I'm not sure, but I I feel the pull. Uh, 
listen, talk to us. We want to see this move forward. I'm serious about this vision. Everybody needs a home. Everybody needs to belong. Thousands of people, tens of thousands of people need a family, need a church family. Will we be generous in our hospitality? And then what about people outside the church? I just wonder how many people are just meals away from experiencing the transforming power of Jesus. Jeannie and I decided that we would invite people for meals on Friday evenings and we'd begun to do that before the pandemic. Our plan was to invite Christians and <clears throat> some non-Christian friends as well into that. That's what we're going to do. And we'd started and, and uh, we'd begun that. Because I just wonder how many people are just a few meals away from experiencing the power of Jesus. Or a few acts of kindness away. Here's what we can do. When we think of outsiders. Well, we were once outsiders ourselves, so it's okay. We can make a plan. A generosity plan. How will I show kindness today? How will you show kindness today, tomorrow? How will I create belonging moments for others today, tomorrow? If you think about somebody, don't, don't put it off. Send that text. Send that invitation. Send that friendly gesture if you think about somebody. How will I show hospitality today to a stranger? To somebody who we might consider an outsider. Remembering that I too was a stranger and an alien. An outsider to God and he showed kindness not by sending me a text, but by sending his son and showing hospitality to me. The question is, will we live like the world? We will, de will we demonize other people or will we be like Jesus and welcome the stranger and eat with the other? Imagine what could happen if we would, like Jesus, practice generous hospitality, that we'd invite guests to our meal tables that we'd invite guests to our barbecues. If we'd offer kind words, texts, emails, and we would do it constantly, daily. I don't believe we need as a church more meetings. I believe we've got maybe just the right amount. But I do think we need to meet more. We need to meet more. Make a plan. In 2021, say, I'm going to have a generous hospitality plan. Some of you have got a gift from God for this. And it's dormant. It's laid dormant. Come on, make a plan. Don't wait every day. God's wired you this way. God expects it of all of us. But God's wired some of you specially for this. And you're going to find an incredible joy as you just open your life, open your home, open your heart. Maybe you're here today. And you've never accepted Jesus' invitation to follow him, to be his disciple and to know him as your Lord and as your Savior. And in a few seconds, I want to give you an opportunity. I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to following Jesus. Because just like Zacchaeus, just like <clears throat> all those people in the Gospels, Jesus is inviting you into his world. He's inviting you to follow him. And he's inviting himself into your life to be your Lord and to be your Savior. Maybe today you say, Paul, I want to know Jesus. 
I want to receive him into my life. Well, if you're watching on church online, there's a button that says raise hand. And if you're watching on YouTube, there's a link that says raise hand. And before you press that, and I want you to press that in a second, I just want to invite you to leave your um, details because we want to send you, physically send you a gift that'll help you on this journey. Nothing more than that. We want to post this out to you. It doesn't matter where you live in the world. We will post it to you if you will leave us your details because we want to be show generosity and kindness to you and help you on this journey of following Jesus. So we've got a gift waiting just for you. So if that's you and you say, Paul, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to follow him. Why don't you press that button right now? Why don't you click that link right now? I'm going to pray for you in just a few seconds. And I'm just going to wait for a few seconds because I know that there are people every week across our services, there are people who do this, give their life to Jesus. And I know there are people that God is speaking to. People, you're in your living room. Maybe you're in your kitchen. Maybe some of you are still in your bedroom. It doesn't matter where you are. You can say yes to Jesus right now. So come on, click that button and click that link before I pray. And give us the privilege of sending you a gift to help you on your journey. I'm going to wait for five seconds. Five, four, three. Click that button. Click that link. Two, one. It's still not too late for you. If you want to say yes to following Jesus, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person today who will say yes to you, that will say yes to welcoming the generous hospitality and kindness of God into their life, to welcoming God's forgiveness to welcoming God's kindness. And Father, I pray for every person who's pressed that button and who's pressed that link today. And I pray that they will know your peace. Even in this moment, even straight away, they will know the peace of God and they will know the presence of God. Right now, even as I'm praying, even as I'm, we're talking, Holy Spirit, that they would know you're filling them and your warmth. Some of you are experiencing that right now. I ask you for that. And as they respond to you, Father, and they begin this journey, may they grow knowing the grace and the love of God in their life. May they find their true identity in Jesus Christ and know what you have called them to do and your purpose for their future. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. If you made that decision today, that's the best decision you can make. Come on, let's celebrate all those people making a decision today to follow Jesus. We're going to worship. Don't don't rush off. We're going to worship right now. Let God seal his word in our hearts as we close our service by worshiping God. Thank you so much.